2: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am Movie Mike on Twitter and Instagram at MikeDistro. I am joined this week by my fiance, Kelsey. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. This week, we're going to be talking about A-list actors for some reason you can't stand to watch in movies. Was pretty surprised about the response I got on Twitter when I put this question out. So we're going to go through the top 10 actors that people mentioned also got to get into an interview with the directors and writer of just friends which i feel is an underrated christmas movie and then we'll give a joint review of tenant which is now available on digital and dvd and all that kind of stuff so we finally got to watch that movie we'll give our opinions on that you ready for this episode i'm ready let's get started
0: in a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast One man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast.
3: All right, so what we're going to do is go through all the responses that we got for an actor you can't stand to watch in a movie. Now, I didn't want this segment to be overly negative of like just bashing certain actors for a certain reason. But when it comes to movies, it's an entertainment thing. So I feel like you can have an opinion on who you want to watch, who you like to watch, because it's entertainment. I don't feel like we're attacking anybody's character or telling anybody that these are like awful people in any way. I just think when you consume a movie, there's some reason that you just can't stand somebody. You can't watch them. It's not enjoyable to watch them. So I put that question out on Twitter of just somebody you can't stand to watch in a movie And was surprised that there's like 200 responses to this tweet. It's a lot of responses. So what I did is I went through and found the top 10 that had the most votes, put them all together in a list. Kelsey, you're going to read the list starting with number one, and then we'll kind of go through and I'll give my opinions on why I think they made the list and if I agree with them. So starting it off with number one, which is, I believe, is the actor that I kind of started it all with. And who's at number one? Tom Cruise. Now, Tom Cruise... For some reason, I've never enjoyed his movies. Like, I like maybe two Tom Cruise movies, and it's because they're just great movies. But there's something about him, and I think it's more of like what I know about him as a person and how he treats people, how he is, is on sets, that I just can't get into his movies. I know he's a very intense person. He's like, when it comes to movie stars, probably one of the biggest ones of our lifetime. But there's just something about him and seeing his face on screen that I just can't stomach sometimes. How do you feel about Tom Cruise?
4: He's not my favorite. I wouldn't say that I can't stand him, but do I actively seek out his movies? Not really. But his movies also I don't feel like are tailored or targeted towards me. Like I'm not yeah. a fan of like Mission Impossible. What else has he been Blinking. <laughs> top right Gun. Now? A l-
3: okay. Like a lot of the like early gun. movies is what I'm into. Like Rain Man, great movie. Top Gun. I like it. I was in- excited to see the new one just because, again, how passionate he is about doing movies. But he does get a little annoying sometimes when I feel like he wants to make it known that he does like all these crazy steps to go to doing his own stunts and stuff like that. So there's just something about him that I'm never excited to watch a movie unless it's like a super big movie. I probably won't see.
4: I feel like when he jumped on the couch on Oprah, that was kind of the downhill. That was
3: point. the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he had great movies early in his career. I felt like maybe around 2005 was where I was like, okay, I'm I'm just, I can't watch him anymore. So I put that one out at the very beginning of the list and I agree with it. So again, I just don't like Tom Cruise. Who came in at number two?
4: This one surprised me. Will Ferrell.
3: Yeah, that surprised me too. And I think I know why. I think people find him not as funny anymore. So the crazy thing about Will Ferrell is he wasn't really a leading man until like 2003 when Elf came out. Like he hadn't done a major successful movie where he was the main person. And I feel like he had a run from like 2003, uh, maybe like 08 with Step Brothers of where like his five years of just like dominating movies where he put out his funniest stuff. And I feel like since then he's done movies that aren't that great. So I think people kind of hold that against him. They think he's not funny anymore.
4: We just watched one with him.
3: Yeah, Daddy's Home too. Like, again, that's a ridiculous movie. And it's Will Ferrell being very Will Ferrell. I think you said he's kind of almost channeling his inner buddy, the elf, in that movie. I felt like he was. But you watch that movie, and it's still funny. Like, I get it. It's not maybe Anchorman funny. But there's a quality to him that I think is still there. So th- that one surprised me, too. I don't agree with that one. Do you? I don't. All right. Who came in at number three?
4: Angelina Jolie.
3: Again, a little bit surprised about this one. And I think it's also a little bit geared towards like her personality and her character. Maybe more so like what she does off screen, her relationship with Brad Pitt. I think people carry that over into her as an actress and hers in her movies. But with Angelina Jolie, I, I mean, I like her. I like her movies. Uh, she hasn't really been in anything recently that I, I can say. What's
4: she been in? She's kind of, you know, Maleficent. Yeah, that was a good one. She's done that. But I feel like
3: she's kind of stepped away from being that top level actress that she was. Because, I mean, at a certain point, she was like the number one actress. Yeah. And I feel like she's kind of taken a step back from that. But, yeah, I, I don't agree with that one either. Who came in at number four?
4: Nicolas Cage. And
3: I understand this one. Nicolas Cage, he's a weird guy. And his movies, I would say, are hit or miss. And I think some people would just think he's not a great actor, so they probably wouldn't want to watch him in anything. And he does a lot of bad movies. But he also does some movies that are just so very Nicolas Cage that I enjoy a good Nicolas Cage movie. But again, I think it's also, he's just such a weird person that you could find maybe just his face annoying sometimes. What do you think about him?
4: I would agree. Um, I feel like the last good Nicolas Cage movie I saw was that one with... um Tale Leone, uh, The Family Man, back in like 2002. Okay. <laughs> I think that was probably the last like, Nicolas Cage movie that I enjoyed.
3: Yeah. I, I
4: mean, I think he's all right.
3: I could see him being on this list. I'm not against it, but I would say I'm a Nicolas Cage, give him a chance type person. I, will, I won't. I will If he's in something, I'm not all in. He's not one of those actors. But if the premise is interesting, it looks like it would be a good movie, I'll give him a shot. So, I can see why he made the list, though. Who's at number five?
4: Clint Eastwood. Yeah.
3: I saw these votes and I was like, I don't get it. Like, what about him is unappealing? I guess maybe that he's older now. He seems kind of like a crankier guy. (laughs) I feel like
4: his last few movies haven't done as well. Yeah. But I don't think that that... Yeah, I just don't get it. I love Clint Eastwood.
3: Well, he has gone more into directing now and putting out movies where you know it's stuff he's passionate about so I don't really agree with this but I think he's still a great actor still doing it at his age um but uh, maybe it's kind of that personality he has behind him now that he's kind of the cranky old guy and people don't really like him anymore so I think that's probably why he made the list but was surprised at the votes that came in for Clint Eastwood (laughs) who came in at number six
4: this one really surprised me Julia Roberts
3: Okay, I get this one and she's really? one of mine too. Yeah. There's something about Julia Roberts that I find like she's not super authentic. And I kind of feel like I can feel it on screen when she just feels like such a big movie star that her performances aren't really as warm as they used to be. Do you ever get that feeling from
4: her? I don't. I love Julia Roberts. Aaron Brockovich is one of my favorite movies.
3: I, again, I feel like earlier in her career... Really great movies, but I feel like since then, there's just nothing that I was like, man, I want to watch a Julia Roberts movie. It's just something about her. I mean, at one point, she was America's sweetheart, the person like everybody loved. And I feel that's kind of diminished over time. So I kind of get that one. I'm kind of with it almost on the Tom Cruise level really? of not being able to watch a Julia Roberts movie. Yeah.
4: Interesting. I'm trying to think of what she's done. I feel like her last really big one was what? Eat, Pray, Love.
3: Her biggest one probably recently, yeah.
4: Which was a while ago yeah. still.
3: So I'm kind of on the same level with her. I don't know. I just feel like something about her off screen, too, just kind of gets me to not want to watch her movies. So I agree with that one. Okay. Coming in at number
4: eight, seven, seven. This one I can kind of see Ben Affleck.
3: Yeah, I get it. He came from putting out really bad movies. He really made people mad when he did Batman versus Superman and became Batman. Rightfully so. Yeah, but I kind of feel like Argo and his recent, even in, in the way back, like he has kind of a I don't care mentality is what I like about Ben Affleck. And even when that movie came out this year, I was excited to see it because I like that he's kind of so disgruntled and just so kind of like, hey, eh, I am who I am. He like smokes on set. He just seems like a regular dude and a person that I would actually, hey, maybe hang out with off screen. Like he seems like a, like he would be a nice guy. Maybe he's not the most perfect human in the world. He's had some troubles. He's been to rehab. He went through a divorce. He's dating. They're not engaged, are they?
4: No, I think they're just dating.
3: And I don't know. I feel like he gets criticized a lot of like they're not being much to him. But I feel like he does what he does relatively well, and I enjoy him. So
4: I mean, I like him. I think I think the Batman versus Superman is where it went a little
3: yeah. downhill.
4: I felt like that was a little too big of a role to take on.
3: I just feel like he wasn't set up to be a good Batman. Like no. nothing about that movie was entirely his fault. There was a lot of things wrong with that movie aside from his performance as Batman being a little bit unbelievable as Batman. I yes maybe. But there was a lot more things wrong with that. I think he got a little bit more criticism than he deserved on that one.
4: Coming in at number eight. This one I can see, and this actor has taken some heat this year, Chris Pratt.
3: Okay. I didn't even consider this until this year. And yeah, when that whole thing came out this year of like the worst Chris's, he was number one. That was rough. And... The crazy thing about Chris Pratt is he kind of came from, you know, being the funny, big, lovable guy in Parks and Rec, and then out of nowhere, he gets ripped up and does Jurassic World, and now he's an Avenger. I guess in some people's eyes, maybe he feels a little bit forced on everybody, and he feels like he kind of came out of nowhere, and now he's like a big action star out of nowhere. But I don't find anything, like, dislikable about him. He seems like a genuine guy. I follow him on Instagram. I mean, I don't see why he made this list either. And I don't see why people were hating on him so much. Any idea why?
4: I feel like it was, there was like political stuff. I feel like was the reason that people didn't like him.
3: Okay. So it's a little bit
4: more of. I think it was like personal more so than actor. I
3: could see. Yeah, I could see that. I feel like aside from that, there's nothing I have against him. Like I do some of the other people on this list. So I don't get where it's coming from. I still like Chris Pratt. Who came in at number nine? Kristen Stewart. Another one I get, but I've kind of, over the years, found myself to be a Kristen Stewart fan. I get that she maybe doesn't seem like the most pleasant, but again, kind of like that Ben Affleck mentality. Like, she has that I don't care what you think about me kind of persona. And I also think maybe, and I saw some of the comments about her, saying that she kind of plays the exact same character in every movie. Like, very Kristen Stewart. And if you don't like her from that, you're not going to like the rest of her movie. So I think that's kind of where she fell onto this list. Would you agree?
4: I would. And I kind of think, what's your take on this? I feel like as actors, like we should be judging them by their movie roles and not necessarily whether we like them. I don't feel like and they need to make yeah. us like them as a personal level. Nope. Like that's not their job. Just need to
3: put out good movies.
4: And I feel like also they probably don't put out everything about their lives because they're already in the spotlight. So what we see isn't the full picture of who they are. That could be kind of the like persona of just like putting walls up. That's my thoughts.
3: And the other thing kind of going on that, what you said is that just because they play maybe not so likable characters in their movies, you can't hold them against hold that against them in their personal life and what you think about them. Cause I think something like, like Sarah Jessica Parker, she has kind of, what some would say are annoying roles where she plays annoying people in her movies. So I think people hold that against her of like, oh, she must not be a pleasant person. She must be annoying like that. So you can't hold their characters against them. And I think that's kind of what Kristen Stewart has too. Like, So yeah, unnecessary. And who came in at number 10?
4: Rounding out the list is Ben Affleck's BFF, Matt Damon.
3: Matt Damon, another one, can't stand. I don't know why, like there's... And even with Matt Damon, I can not name one movie where I was like, that was a great movie that I enjoyed him in. I've never liked any Matt Damon movie from The Martian, anything that he's done. And I just kind of find him, I don't know, like there's nothing about him appealing that would make me want to watch him. And if he's in a movie, I'm like, "I'm, I'm not interested. I think the only thing that I thought he was okay in was Ford v. Ferrari. Yeah. Like he had a, not a, Pretty significant part in that movie. And that was like the only time I watched him that I was like, okay, he's all right.
4: What about like Goodwill Hunting? Nah. I don't like Did not take you long to answer.
3: No, there's something about Matt Damon that I feel like he's, I don't know, very vanilla. Hmm. There's nothing significant about him. There's nothing super great. Another kind of actor I feel is a little bit forced on everybody.
4: I feel like he's not as big anymore either. Like I feel like a lot of these are kind of like just, like, fallen from the spotlight. Like, they're not who I would consider to be the most, like, A-list anymore.
3: At one point, super A-list. I feel like he... I would still consider him A-list because kind of the whole criteria for this list is an actor who could carry a movie. Like, they're going to be number one slot on the movie. Like, this is their movie starring Matt Damon. I think that's kind of the criteria for this list. I think he's still there, even though he's kind of not as maybe popular and as profitable at the box office as he once was. But again, this list was not meant to be like slandering anybody or, you know, not a negative thing. I don't think that's what this podcast is at all, but I just think it's an interesting thing of just why there are certain actors we can enjoy. Is there anybody you would add to the list?
4: Well, I'm looking at the like honorable mentions. Okay. Um, Some more that surprised me. Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Matthew McConaughey. Ones I can kind of see. Anne Hathaway.
3: Yeah, I could see that one.
4: Amy Adams a little bit. But Meryl Streep? Really?
3: You know, I've... Really? It wasn't until recently that I had seen a Meryl Streep movie, and I kind of agree with that one. Yeah, I don't know. I think for me is the fact that she's been around so long, but... Whenever Oscar season rolls around, she just dominates and it's kind of annoying for no other reason is why I think I don't like Meryl Streep.
4: Okay, but then that feels like a personal attack on Meryl.
3: A little bit. (laughs) I get it. She's so great that she wins all the awards and there's other actors that I want to win over her and she just cleans house. So I feel like she has that kind of like being so good for so long fatigue on her. It's probably why I don't enjoy her. Okay, fair. Well, that has been our segment on A-list actors you don't enjoy. If there's any you feel should have made the list, just tweet me at MikeDistro. Coming up next, we'll get into my interview with the writer and director of the movie Just Friends starring Ryan Reynolds and Anna Ferris, And we'll talk all about that movie next.
0: I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development,
3: all right i want to talk about the movie now just friends which is celebrating its 15 year anniversary and it's available now on digital in my eyes i would say a highly underrated christmas romantic comedy and also a really great christmas movie for people like me who maybe don't necessarily love christmas movies and i have the director now roger cumble and writer adam davis on the phone how's it going guys
6: great how can it not be with that introduction
3: (laughs) yeah that was great well i'm excited to talk to you guys first of all because i feel like you guys made my life story in this movie because i was also an overweight guy in high school and in college and i recently lost 100 pounds and I kind of feel like this was speaking to me when I first saw this movie. So I kind of want to start at the beginning of where in the process of making this movie did you guys meet?
7: Well, this is, this is Adam Peck Davis. Uh, so, you know, look, I didn't have the overweight thing, losing weight. You know, I didn't have that angle of it happening in real life. But I did have a two year just friends relationship uh, where I thought I was going to eventually win her over. And she would dump her boyfriend and, and date me and it didn't happen. And I remember, you know, a couple of years later, I'm sitting down to write a screenplay and I'm trying to think of an idea that, you know, could be relatable. And I write, you know, the first draft of just friends and I send it to my manager and he says, uh, is this about me and my, (laughs) you know, my relationship with this girl, other girl. And I was like, no, why would I write about you? But I was like, okay, that's good. And then he flips it over to somebody at new line cinema and and they were like is this about me and it was like oh my god like i think we have struck that that relatable gold uh that you know, and, and, you know most people can can you know can relate to that uh so that's that was the genesis of, of the script and then you know over the course of you know many years uh you know we went back and forth like it should it be a guy who's not that good looking going after a girl that's out of his league should it be a guy who starts out you know, uh, overweight and, and slubby and then loses the weight, but then reverse, you know, so, you know, a lot of that depended on the casting as well, but uh, at the core of, you know, just making a movie about a just friends relationship, you know, that was based, uh, unfortunately on something I, I had the joy of experiencing myself.
3: And was it written as a Christmas movie from the very beginning?
7: It became Christmassy pretty early on. Like we needed a reason for them to come back, to, for him to be back in his hometown and you know the idea of christmas uh i i kind of hit upon the idea of like you know christmas is the time of cheer and the time of joy and everybody's happy so let's let's put our main character through total hell during this you know the happy time of the year uh and then you know the building blocks it's like i live in brooklyn and you know in duiker heights brooklyn they have houses that are decked out in you know million dollar christmas displays and stuff so i you know, we were able to you know, put that in there and then, you know, oh, we're going to destroy that. Uh, you know, Christmas became threaded through. Once Once we made that decision, let's set it at Christmas. Um, but I think, you know, the movie doesn't have to be at Christmas, but it just felt like, you know, uh, a, a good a good thematic choice. Especially, you know, her house is the brightest place on Earth and here's our guy. In the, <laughs> it couldn't be in the, a darker
3: place. So it's like uh, the, the dichotomy was, was nice. So after you're writing or starting to work on the movie, when is it kind of pitched or kind of known that Ryan Reynolds is going to be the guy?
6: Uh, well, I, uh, probably after Roger came on. When did I? I don't remember anything. Um, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, I think, um, yeah, no, when I came on and then, and then we, when and I got together and we kind of, you know, collaborated a little. And then he was really, I don't remember going to anyone else. Um, And one of the great things about this movie was we had Chris Bender and Jake Weiner were the producers and Richard Brenner and Toby Emmerich were at the studio and we're all kind of the same age. We were like a lot of times, uh, a lot of times when you make a movie at the studio, they're like, here are the actors that get a green lit and none of them are funny. Mm
7: -hmm. Uh,
6: And and they were like, we knew that Ryan Reynolds was like somebody who was going to pop, you know, like the guy was kind of brilliant. Uh, But besides Van Wilder hadn't had like a big hit. And uh, they were like, you know, we'll make the movie for this much and you can go make it with Ryan. And then we were like done. So we got him on board. And then, um, you know, it was amazing from then on because, I mean, the guy's a genius, so it makes it easy.
3: And I was rewatching the movie last night, and I kind of forgot just how great a chemistry all the actors had in it. Um, not just Ryan Reynolds, but Amy Smart and Anna Faris. How much of what we see in the movie was actually written in the script, and was there anything that just kind of came improv while you were filming?
6: Most, of, I will say, most of it, text wrote, like what I read, text wrote. You know, all the characters, everything. And then, you know, because it's a comedy and you kind of want to have that, you know, openness, we, we really took a best idea win. And that was not only with the writing, but with the directing. Tex and I got along like gangbusters. So when, when we had the actors, we were, we were literally we were up in Saskatchewan. It was negative forty. They couldn't land planes. I'm not kidding. Um, so no one came to visit us. <laughs> um, so we were quarantined. Together. We were quarantined before it was yes. possible. yeah before it was cool <laughs> exactly exactly. And we would get together and we just kind of like read the script and just kind of like work beat it, workshop the scenes. You know, I mean, there were Texas scenes, but you know, we just try to kind of top it, and, mo- and that's what. What made the, I think what makes the film stand out was, was that kind of process, that kind of experience. Neither Tex and I were precious about about the creative aspect, and we were just like, we just wanted to make the funniest movie possible.
7: The beauty of also having, like, amazing actors like Ryan and Amy and Anna and Chris Marquette and Chris Klein, Julie Haggerty, like Stephen Root, these people are, are some of the best ad-libbers in the world. So, you know, you shoot two or three takes, And then let them have one and
6: they're going to come up with gold. So I feel like I built the house and then everybody else helped put the furniture in. Texas being too kind, I'm going to push back. (laughs) What what makes it great is having a writer on set who's a great collaborator who's laughing at the monitor if somebody has another idea and is not like, that's not what I wrote. Uh,
3: (laughs) (laughs) That kind of brings me to my next question. When you're making a comedy like this and you guys are both on set, how do you reassure yourself that something is still funny when you're doing it? You know, take after take, you like start to question yourself, like, man, are we actually making something funny here?
6: Uh, you stress me. Um, you, <laughs> you, you, you hope for the best. Tex and I, 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 I would look, always kind of exude confidence as a director because they're giving you so much money. So, um, but I would take text aside and I go, is this funny? <laughs> um, you know, like we would rely on each other just to like kind of, uh, we understood the music of comedy. It was important to us. So, but there were times where we were really kind of like, again, like we would do things that it, we would never put like, she eats a thing at toothpaste and has like um, a bandages wrapped around her head. This blueberry, you know, like you would get wow. development notes from a studio about saying this doesn't trap and this makes no sense. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know why it's funny. It probably won't be on the written page as funny, but Tex And I think it's funny. It was almost kind of like, it wasn't, so much as improv is like we we had like a, a hidden script in our heads or we would talk about as well That that also Ryan and the actors were on board with but you know that could have gone off the rails bad you know because we were really trying to do certain things we were doing farce there's a choreography to it and it was a, a million pieces but we also had a uh, I got to give props. Jeff Freeman was our editor, you know, so that that was very helpful in in, in that aspect.
3: Speaking of that toothpaste scene, uh, whose idea was it to use real toothpaste?
6: I know. I think it was like a budget thing. That's so all you had. <laughs> I mean, I was like, somebody go out and buy a shitload of Crest."
3: And was she also actually drinking like energy drinks to get into character?
6: My guess would be yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember, but, um, uh, you know, she was in a glass, she'd drink it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, um, you know, she was fearless and like, we never knew like, Oh, this she's going to finally balk at something. And she never did. And what was so great is she had such a zest for life, Samantha. but she also had no filter, <laughs> no awareness of people. She's a monster she thought she was adorable. I love like, you know, she thinks when she pretends she's a kitty, it's the cutest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and she was always going, wow. Yeah, she around the world for sure. So 15
3: years after this movie, what do you hope somebody who goes back and watches it now takes away from the movie?
6: Peace on earth. No. Um, um, I just think, you know, it's, it's such a universal movie. It's like, I think it hits a core for me of like, the tortured high school kid who got, I got put in the friend zone. That's what I connected to me about Texas script. And, um, we just made a ball to the wall, funny movie with heart. And I think that's why it wasn't like we were, we were smart enough to know, like, we're just not going to just make laughs and have nothing underneath it. Nothing, you know, no emotional core. Uh, cause those movies don't really laugh, but hitting that, some of those, I guess the text wrote it. It kind of it's just universal and it's timeless. People get put in the friend zone. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're in 2005 or 2020.
3: Yeah, I think that's why it resonated so much with me because even after I did lose the weight, I still couldn't get out of the friend zone. Like I still had trouble getting girls after that. But um, it was
7: you're always going to always be to me, Chris. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> I mean, look to, to me, like the, the, the key is like if, if one couple that's like friends can watch the movie, and then like the guy can admit or the girl could admit, like, "Look, that movie that that's how I feel about you," and and it, it turned into an actual relationship. Like that was always the that would be the holy grail. And I I know of a couple that did become a couple because of the movie, and they uh, they knew a friend of mine, and he connected me with them, and you know they were like thank you for writing. Like we are a couple now because of the movie. And like, to me, that was like, Oh my God, I, you know, I've just
3: done something great. A true success story. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It can really happen to you. Well, there we go. Appreciate the time guys. Just friends 15 years out now thank you. available now on digital. Everybody go check it out and laugh again. And thanks guys for talking. You guys. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Let's get into a movie review. Now talking about tenant, which is now available on Blu-ray and on demand and I'll say, before you would get into this, the only way to watch it is, that's it. You can buy the Blu-ray, which is 20 plus bucks, or you can rent it for 20 bucks on Amazon. And this is a movie I wanted to see in theaters, and was surprised it actually came out in theaters. But I wasn't going to the movie theater. So, it came out, and I saw the reviews. It was very mixed, from people saying it was great, from people saying it was confusing, from people saying it was too long, from people saying that Christopher Nolan should have waited to put this out later. So... The interesting about this one is we have the ability to review this movie in a different way because we got to watch it at home. And I think that kind of gave it a bit of a different of experience because with Christopher Nolan, if you don't know, he's the guy who wrote and directed a bunch of other movies like Dunkirk, the Dark Knight trilogy, Inception, Interstellar. So he's known for making very big movies, sometimes confusing. It's kind of his thing. And people are saying this is his most confusing film yet. And the ability to have the option to watch it at home, you can rewind, you can pause, you can do all those kinds of things to, sometimes if you miss a part in the movie theater, you can't rewind.
4: You can turn on subtitles.
3: You can turn, which we did. We did. Which was recommended to us to say, hey, maybe watch this movie with subtitles. I think it did help. Because I would say this movie is a little bit confusing. And I feel we have different reviews because you kind of watched it and were confused And we're a little bit defeated by it, right?
4: I was. I zoned out pretty early on because it just got too confusing.
3: So I'm watching this movie and I feel like a little bit in the beginning, I had to want to enjoy the movie and it was set up to where, first of all, the intro was great. It's a big, kind of what Christopher Nolan always does. It's a big opening scene, starts off with a bang what is what I kind of loved about the Dark Knight movies. All those movies had a really big intro. So I had that and I was like, all right, we're in, this is already intense. But from there, it just gets kind of confusing why certain things are happening. And I get the overall plot of the movie. I don't think that was confusing at all. It's basically a secret agent joins an organization called Tenet, and he's trying to save the world. He's trying to stop world war three. And what he discovers is this kind of technology to where things happen in reverse so like he goes to like the shooting range and there's bullets like already in this target and they show him the technology of like how the bullet comes back into the gun so the whole movie and again i don't think you can really spoil this movie it's almost so out there with a plot and there's not really anything you can reveal that would ruin the movie experience for you because you almost just have to watch it to understand it
4: even if you watch it, even if you uh, watch it it, And I've said this before on here. I'm not always the type that wants to watch a movie to have to like pay attention and keep up with what's going on. Mm -hmm. That's not usually why I watch a movie. And this was one of those that you have to just like completely pay attention.
3: You have. Yeah. You have to pay attention. You have to watch each scene. And even as closely as you watch, sometimes it's hard to know exactly what is happening and why. But what does kind of go down is they're trying to save the world. And then they have this reverse technology. So it's kind of them going through all the action forwards. And then they kind of, in the middle, start going backwards to all the things that already happened. And then he's just trying to stop this evil Russian guy. So I think the plot line alone, that's pretty much it. Them trying to save the world. But where it kind of gets confusing is with all the time travel stuff. And when they try to explain it in the movie of what's exactly going on with that. Which time travel is a tough thing to portraying a movie because it doesn't exist to our knowledge. <laughs> and again, on this podcast, I say the most hate, well not hate, but criticism I get is when I t- go on my time travel and rules kind of rants, which I love. I love time travel, Time travel. I love time travel and I love it in movies. But even for me, this one was like, what, <laughs> what exactly is happening? So, I felt like people got confused trying to understand that so much that they were unable to enjoy the movie and found it confusing. But other than that, visually it looked amazing. It felt like a big movie. It felt like I was watching something that I know was good, even though I didn't understand it the entire way through. And I had to go kind of figure out at the end what exactly happened. I felt like I was watching something of quality. So not my fra- favorite Christopher Nolan movie. I think uh, since we have the Blu-ray now, I'd probably rewatch parts of it to kind of get a better idea of what was happening. And I wonder what the experience would have been like if we saw this in theaters.
4: I would have been even more confused. Or maybe I would have paid attention better. I think our flaw was that we ordered dinner while watching this movie, and then our food got here, and I was just it was game over for it's the true. movie, and I was just into my food.
3: And again, that's <laughs> kind of the thing of... Watching things at home, you have the at-home distractions that you don't have in a movie theater. I probably would have enjoyed this movie a little bit more in a movie theater because I would have been solely focused on the screen. And I was still pretty, I was tuned in the whole time. But again, just having that slight second you turn away (laughs) to check your phone while the movie's on, maybe that takes a little bit away from the movie experience. But I thought it was okay. Getting to the rating here. What would you rate it?
4: I honestly don't feel like I can give it a rating. Don't give it a rating? I don't think I watched the whole thing. Like, I don't I don't even think I made it to the end. I think I got up and left the room.
3: Did you enjoy it at all?
4: I enjoyed it till I got confused, which was about 15 minutes in. Okay. I, feel- I could tell it was great. Like you said, I could tell it was a good movie. It was a big production. Again, it had, like, the dramatic opening scene. It just got too confusing too quick.
3: I would give this movie 2.5 out of five reverse bullets. I think it's the good thing about it being out now. And if you can, if you have the Blu-ray or you have, you're just streaming it, you can go back and rewatch it. I think it's one you have to sit down with and be like, all right, I'm about to watch this movie and take it for what you want. So I think it's a good movie, but it's nothing I would recommend or tell anybody you have to see this now is I think we're, I'm mad on it. And I do feel like I enjoyed it a little bit more because of I've been waiting to watch this movie. Visually, it had everything I was looking for with the actors It had everything I was looking for. Denzel Washington's son, Robert Pattinson, and it just looked cool. Like Christopher Nolan's movies just have a feel to them, whether it's like Dunkirk, it even just watching the trailer, I didn't know what it was going to be about, but I knew I wanted to watch that movie. So he has that kind of appeal to him that I was going to watch it no matter what. Afterward, eh, (laughs) I don't feel like it made me have a a desire to go watch more of his movies or even like want to see any kind of extras to this movie. I just thought it was good for what it was, but yeah, maybe not something you rush to watch. Definitely. I'd say maybe wait. I think it'll eventually come to HBO Max to where you can stream it there, but um, nothing you have to go see right now.
4: I wouldn't recommend spending $20 on it. That's yeah, my take.
3: 20 bucks is, that's, it's a high price for it. Maybe you get it in your stocking and then you watch it then. But anyway, that's our review on Tenant. We're going to get into some movie news now. And I think one of the biggest things that happened last week was the Tom Cruise rant on set.
4: Yes. Did you hear about this? I did.
3: So what happened last week was he basically went off on some crew members who won't, weren't following COVID protocols on set. And when I heard this, again, I thought Tom Cruise was being a little bit extra. And the new story I saw just come out recently was Leah Remini said that she thinks the whole thing was staged, that she thinks that it's all kind of like Tom Cruise trying to be like basically the ambassador for like movies, being like he's doing such great work to, do, to keep movies going and to do all these things that she thought the whole thing was staged. If you haven't heard it, here's a clip of Tom Cruise flipping out on set. <laughs> And if you don't do it, you're fired. And I see you do it again, you're f-ing gone. And anyone on this crew does it. That's it. And you do. And you too. And you. Don't you
7: ever
6: f***ing do it again. That's it.
7: No apologies. You can tell it to the people that are losing their f***ing Because our industry is shut down. It's not going to put food.
3: So, yeah, she put out a statement in like this big, long essay and said, basically, it was a psychotic rant and he is an abusive dictator. Hearing that now, I just felt like he had so many like like parts and like little lines. It felt like it was something that he was new going to be leaked out later or something he like prepared in his head. And it, don't forget, he's an actor. Like if anybody could pull this off of it being staged, it would be him. Do you think there's anything behind that?
4: I don't know if I think it was completely staged. I don't know. He just went on and on, and there was just a lot of...
3: Oh, the whole thing's like three minutes, so that was just yelling. a little clip it. kind of it.
4: reminded me of, um, was it Christian Bale?
3: Oh, yes. That came out. On the set of Terminator.
4: It kind of feels like that, reminiscent of that, of like a rant leaked. But I also feel like if you're that famous, you know, like if you go off on someone, it's probably going to be leaked.
3: Yeah, and you're around cameras, you're around people with cell phones, probably going to be leaked. And brings me to my next point. My favorite thing ever is when Christian Bale freaked out. So any excuse I get to play this clip, I'm going to play it. I want you
7: off
6: set, you prick. Sorry. No, don't just be sorry. Think for one second. What don't you get about it? Oh, good
7: for you. And how was it? I hope it was good because it's useless now, isn't it?
3: For sake, man, you're amateur. And that's a quote that I just repeat every now and then. I'm like, oh, good for you. I love any chance I get to play that clip. That makes
4: me cringe.
3: Yeah, it's pretty bad because that was just a guy who walked in front of a set and he went off on. That was not stage. He came out later and apologized. But anyway, that's what's going on there. Also in movie news, Justin Timberlake is coming out in a movie on Apple Plus TV called Palmer. And I watched the trailer earlier today. What do you think of when you think of Justin Timberlake? Do you see him more as an actor now or a musician?
4: I don't think my brain defaults to one really? or the other. I feel like I would still think musician.
3: I kind of see him more as an actor now. I know he doesn't do a whole lot of movies, but when he is in a movie, I feel it's something significant that people are going to pay attention to. I was never a fan. When it came to the boy bands, I was more of a Backstreet fan. As was I. And when it came to his solo stuff, there was nothing I... Music wasn't for me. Oh,
4: I loved his solo stuff. Crimea Ur- Me a River...
3: A jam. I think the only Justin Timberlake song I liked was Suit and Tie and Mirrors. I think those well, two those were, were...
4: like later. Yeah. I'm talking like his first debut. Yeah. that was That was where it was at.
3: I was a later... If I was ever a fan of his music, it was like in that era. But now I just kind of see him more as an actor. And I watched this trailer, and it made me a little bit emotional. Because it's from... It's basically a story about he goes to prison... Gets out and goes back to like his hometown, and he starts taking care of this kid whose mom is basically going through some trouble. He was going to get put back into, I guess, like the foster care system, but instead he goes and takes care of him. And the kid, obviously, has had a crazy life, but he is getting made fun of for doing more like feminine things so it's kind of a story of justin timberlake looking after this kid and allowing him to be different but here's a little bit of the
5: trailer listen to me son kids are mean especially when they see something that they ain't used to seeing you ain't nothing but a criminal you got no right looking after any child there's things in this world you can be and there's things that you can't how many boys do you see on that show What does that tell you?
3: That I can be the first. Ah! some treats. And that line kind of got me. They're watching TV and it's like a, like at the beginning of the clip, he's like playing with dolls and then it's a show where it's all like female cartoons. And then he says that it just kind of got me a little bit. So I think that could be a pretty good movie. It looks very dramatic and it comes out on January 29th. So I think one I would be interested to see.
4: I'll watch it. Sounds good. Sounds heartwarming. Just from the like the audio. Yeah,
3: I know. And then finally, in movie news, this Friday, Wonder Woman comes out on HBO Max, and it is certified fresh right now. It is sitting at eighty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty high. And we now have HBO Max, and are kind of all in for what's coming in the next year. But just know that's coming out on Friday. If you're looking for something brand new to watch, I think we're both pretty excited to see it.
4: Can we rewatch the first one? I feel
3: like we should watch that yeah. this week. Yeah, rewatch the first one and then get ready for this one. You're a Kristen Week fan, right? I am. So excited that she's in this movie? I am excited. We will give our review coming up, not next week, but the week after that, because. I usually do the top movies of the year at the very end, but with this one coming out so close to the end of the year, I wanted to give it a minute to kind of set in because usually when it comes to superhero movies, I love them instantly. And in that moment, they're like my favorite movie. So I feel like if I did that episode right after that, I would rank it a lot higher. I wanted to give it a little bit of a break and kind of have some time to breathe and review that one. So That'll come up in the top movies of 2020 next week, looking back on some of the best interviews of this year. And before we get out of here, got to give our shout out of the week. And this week it is actually coming from my email. Oh, which you can email me at Mike at gmail.com. Any questions you got, any episodes, um, ideas you want to throw out, just email me there. So always different ways you can reach out to the podcast. This comes from Jessica from San Diego. She says, Hey Mike was listening to the Christmas movie episode and Kelsey was talking about how she got the Harry Potter books taken away as punishment. She said, my parents did the same thing as well as taking away her Harry Potter books on tape that she listened to nonstop. Just wanted her to know that she's not alone. Love listening to you guys on there. Thanks for weekly (laughs) entertainment. Thank you, Jessica from San Diego. (laughs)
4: So glad you- to know I'm not alone there. And I will say that when I did get my book back, I stayed up until 2 a.m. that night finishing it just in case it got taken away. <laughs> not that I was like, you know, I don't know, not going to talk back again. I just finished the book just in case.
3: How great would it have been if you also had them on tape? So you're like, all right, take away my books. And then you bust out. That your- would
4: have been... Or like even watching the movies because i wasn't grounded from tv it was literally just my harry potter book taken away (laughs) why are you laughing at me
3: right now (laughs) i'm just imagining you
4: i was so sad i i bought that book like at midnight i went to barnes and noble and picked it up i had like pre-ordered it It was like halfway through when it got (laughs) taken away
3: well if you missed that, that that episode it's a few episodes back where we talked about your favorite christmas movies and we got into harry potter so if you want to go back and listen to that That's there for you. Thanks everybody for listening. Happy holidays. Hope you have some time to relax and just turn the old brain off. And if you're looking for other things to listen to, well, we have a lot of podcasts here on the Nashville podcast network, everything from too much to say with Kaylee shore. She's an artist here in town does a really great podcast. We also have talk to Chuck with Chuck wicks, just a lot of episodes and podcasts and shows to check out over there. If you're looking for something else to listen to, we'll be back here next week with the best interviews of all of 2020.